There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The scorching heat enveloped me as I stood it on the front lines of the fiercest wildfire the Ozarks had ever seen. Flames roared like voracious beasts, devouring everything in their path. Sweat trickled down my forehead, mangling with soot as I coordinated with the brave firefighters to battle the inferno. Our mission was twofold, save lives and protect the wildlife that called this park home. We worked tirelessly dousing flames, cutting fire breaks, and guiding visitors to safety. Amidst the chaos, my eyes caught a glimpse of something in the distance, a flicker of movement amidst the swirling smoke. Curiosity mingled with trepidation, drawing my gaze towards the mysterious figure. There, amidst the raging fire, stood a creature like none I had ever seen before. It was bipedal, towering above the flames, its silhouette bathed in an eerie glow. Razor-sharp claws extended from its massive paws, resembling a hybrid between a fearsome werewolf and an otherworldly dogman. Time seemed to slow as I observed the creature in stunned disbelief. Its eyes gleamed with an otherworldly intensity, reflecting the chaos that engulfed the forest. The flames danced around it as if bowing in deference to its terrifying presence. A primal roar erupted from its throat, 
echoing through the burning landscape, a bone-chilling symphony of power and ferocity. For a brief moment, the creature and I locked eyes, and I felt a shiver run down my spine. It was as if it possessed an otherworldly wisdom, an ancient knowledge that transcended our understanding. Yet as quickly as it had appeared, it retreated into the smoky depths of the woods, vanishing from sight. I stood frozen in awe, my mind struggling to comprehend the reality of what I had just witnessed. The firefighters' urgent voices snapped me back to the present. They beckoned me to join their efforts in extinguishing the fire that threatened to consume everything we held dear. Shaking off the remnants of disbelief, I rallied myself and joined the courageous crew, resolute in my determination to protect this land. Together we fought relentlessly against the merciless flames, driven by a sense of duty and a deep love for the park we called home. As we labored tirelessly, the encounter with the enigmatic creature remained etched in my mind. It was a reminder of the untamed forces that coexisted alongside us, inextricably linked to the wild heart of nature. Our duty as park rangers was not only to safeguard against wildfires, but also to respect the mysteries and ancient beings that dwelled within these sacred lands. The fire eventually succumbed to our collective efforts. The charred landscape a testament to the battle that had taken place. Exhausted but fulfilled, we surveyed the area ensuring that no embers remained. The wilderness would heal and life would bloom anew. In the depths of the night, as the final embers flickered into oblivion, I found solace in the camaraderie of the firefighters. Though my encounter with the creature remained a secret, it was a reminder of the infinite wonders that awaited within the untamed realm of the Ozarks. And as we stood together, bound by our shared purpose, I knew that we would always be guardians, protectors of this land, ready to face any challenge that nature presented. Hiking in Wilson Prom, the most southern point of Australia's mainland, came face to face with a large cat. It was jet black and had green eyes. I thought it was just a feral cat for years, but only just recently found out feral cats have different colored markings, not all black. What the F did I see? I was in North Carolina, South Mountain Park. Followed the trail up to the falls and thought I want to go up there. So I did. Got to the top of the falls and looked down to the kids playing at the bottom. I smiled and continued on and got to the bridge crossing the river. I thought I was alone, given there was nobody on the trail here. Then I heard a yelp. My head yanked about and I saw a man and a woman in the river, about twenty feet upriver from the bridge. Woman was trying to get his attention and was pointing at me. Man was lost in the act. After a minute, he finally looked up, yelled crap, and ducked into the water. Like that solved the problem. I continued along the trail and found their clothes and called out, You know, kids are playing in the water downstream. In the water, you two are befouling. Maybe you could be decent and go the F home. And kept up the trail for about half an hour before turning back. Clothes were gone. Everything but a pair of panties and a broken watch. Took a stick and knocked both away from the trail. Made my way back down and got to the head of the trail and saw him again. 
They were speaking to a park ranger. After a few moments, they ran off to a beat-up car. I asked the ranger if everything was okay. He told me the two of them were reporting a man baiting at the top of the falls. I sighed and said, right. I'd like to report those two for having intercourse in the river above the fall and told him where to find the clothes they had left. Doubt anything happened, but still think about it as the trashiest thing I've experienced on a hiking trail. We were hiking in Rocky Mountains National Park and came to a small creek crossing that was just above a 30-feet waterfall. There was a family playing in the creek, way close to the waterfall. I said something like, boy, that waterfall is pretty, but they didn't seem to care. They were 10 feet from falling down a waterfall. We walked upstream and made our crossing and then heard a big scream and yell. I went back and saw that the father had somehow lodged his leg under a huge rock. He was panicking because he was half-submerged underwater, and the current was pushing him towards the waterfall. I politely told his kids to get out of the water, and three of us dislodged the leg and dragged him out of the water. I told him to remove his shoe because swelling was occurring, but he wouldn't listen. He got mad and told us not to touch him, so we let him be and continued on our trip. I was hiking alongside a steep drop-off up switchbacks. A couple comes around the corner with a leash dog. Somehow she trips, gog leash in hand, and goes over the side. Her guy literally jumps off after her, Superman-style minus the flying capability. The only thing that didn't go over was the dog who was pushing against the edge of the trail to not go down too. The couple was luckily on brush, about five feet below the edge, but every try to get up broke roots and they kept getting lower. With others on the trail, we got the dog safe, then used our bodies as leverage hiking poles in calm reasoning to get them back over the edge on trail. All was well, but that damn dog was the smartest of the three for sure. And while valiant by the guy, it was the stupidest move I've seen to save a lady. Years ago, a friend and I got started very early in the morning during a very hot summer to hike a local 11,000 peak. We got lost towards the top as the trails were less clear and decided to come back down. Made it to be bottom by maybe 3 p.m. Towards the bottom, we ran into these two young men in their early 20s who were just starting out. They each had a water bottle and insubstantial footwear like Chacos or Tavos or something similar for this very difficult hike. They asked us if there was water on the trail, which we said was minimal, and they went on their way. In any case, on the news a day or two later, I recognized them. That had had inadequate lighting, and one of them fell off the side of the mountain and died of his injuries. I think of them often whenever I hear of someone being rescued or killed while hiking. During high school, my boyfriend and I decided to sneak out one night and head to the lake. It was a secluded spot and we thought it would be the perfect place to spend some time together, away from the prying eyes of our parents. The night was pitch black, and the only light came from the faint glimmer of the moon reflecting off the water. 
We found a park bench next to the shore and started making out. As we got more and more into it, I suddenly heard a strange sound coming from the water. I told my boyfriend to stop and listen, and we both went completely silent. The sound was like someone or something swimming methodically, as if they were trying to sneak up on us without being detected. The mysterious swimmer got closer and closer, and my heart started pounding in my chest. I could barely see anything in the darkness, but I could still hear the splashing and feel the tension in the air. It felt like whatever was in the water was about to reach out and touch us. Unable to take it any longer, I let out a scream, and we both jumped up from the bench and ran as fast as we could away from the lake. We didn't stop running until we were sure we were far enough away from whatever had been lurking in the water. To this day, I still have no idea what was in the lake that night. Was it a person trying to scare us, or was it something else entirely? Whatever it was, the memory of that night still sends shivers down my spine whenever I think about it. That experience taught me a valuable lesson. Sometimes, the scariest things can happen in the most unexpected places, and the unknown can be more terrifying than anything else. I have a buddy named Corey, childhood, best friend, and next-door neighbor. In the summer before 10th grade, we had a sleepover at our mutual friend Mars's house. Mark's mom was super chill and always hung out with us. One night, she brings over a Ouija board and suggests we play with it. No big deal. Being the music fans we are, we ask it stupid shit. Let me speak to the spirit of Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley, etc. The plane ship was moving and we all swore it wasn't us doing it purposefully. At one point, Mark asks it to prove it's real. Always a bad decision. From under Marksy's bed, 20 pounds free weight slid across the floor and hit an adjacent wall. Freaked out, we stopped for the night. Throughout the next few weeks, we would go to Mark's house, sleep over, do the Oija board. We decided to set up some basic recording equipment, ask questions, and play the recording back to try and hear things. We did get some faint noises. I'm not convinced it was anything but Mark was. And so Mark got creeped out and gave the board to Corey. Now that Corey had it, him, myself, and his gif at the time Katie used it much more frequently. We were until asking stupid questions and getting dumb answers. After about three months of this, all of that changed. The Ouija board started responding oddly. We would ask, what's my mom making for dinner? And the board would spell out the rotting corpses in your walls. It would start to try and touch the four corners, make the infinity symbol, and go through the alphabet backwards, all bad signs. Corey became obsessed with it. He started doing the Ouija board alone, which is also a bad idea. While using it, he would ask it to do things, and it would stand up on its tip, climb a wall, shoot out from under our hand. The planchette started feeling heavy and would leave drag marks on the board. I got creeped out. I told Corey we should stop. He didn't. Corey, still very interested in things like this, decided to try automatic writing where you ask the spirit to use your own motor skills to move a pen and write on paper. Corey, who is left-handed, grabbed the pen with his right hand slightly contorted, starting writing shakily. First the alphabet, then words. Unfortunately, I don't remember exactly what he wronged, but it was scary to see. 
Corey started acting weird after that. We were in chorus in HS, and while singing his right hand, would move around and practice writing on the sheet music. I remember on day, he wrote, Josh wants Katie. Don't let him get her. He would start jabbing me with his pencil when we were next to each other and other weird behaviors. Being both raised Roman Catholic, we were a part of a local youth group that prayed the rosary every Monday night. Corey's dad would drop us off. Mine would pick us up. One night in November, it was raining, and my dad came to pick us up at about 9.30 p.m. Corey decided to decline the ride and said he would get a ride with someone else. Okay, weird, but whatever. He calls me close to midnight that night and says he blacked out during the prayer meeting and came to while standing on the bridge near our home in the pouring rain staring at the water below. For context, we live in our eyes, so in November, it's cold, especially at night, especially when it's rainy. At that point, I urged him to get rid of it. After I started trying to get Corey to get rid of it, I started being attacked. I would get woken up in the middle of the night after feeling like someone flicked or tapped me on the forehead. I would get woken up and be half off my bed like I was dragged out. I would wake up and see all my blankets folded on my bureau across the room. I am a very light sleeper. I called Corey and told him I was going to get rid of it myself. He gave me the board that afternoon. The night before I got rid of it, as I was sleeping, I was jolted away. It had felt like something grabbed my arm. The hand felt bony cold and like it had very long fingers. I stayed up the rest of the night sitting on my bed. All the lights on, scared shitless. The next day, based on info I found online, I cut the board up into seven pieces and buried them separately in a nearby old historical cemetery. I ended up having a bruise on my forearm for the next two weeks. I haven't had any related instances since. Corey probably has additional info he could add to this as well. But this is all I got. He has mentioned having really messed up dreams and he had other experiences at this time, but I don't know enough to tell them. An old friend of mine and I planned a trip to Isle Royal in 2008. We have been on a couple of adventures together. Boundary Waters, Appalachian Trail. So this was just another awesome week to get away and enjoy the outdoors. Which we did end up doing, but man, did we have one hell of a time. On the third night, I was out going to the bathroom when I thought I heard something move a few yards away. I stopped for a moment and almost went to investigate, but decided that it was nothing and headed back to camp. That next morning, we packed up camp, and while getting ready, my buddy, David, David called me over to him. He was right outside our campground, and he pointed out two sets of wolf tracks. I about shit myself, realizing what that noise was the night before. So we finished packing our bags and kept hiking. Neither David or I would wander more than ten yards away from one another from that point on. The last night we were getting our bags set in a tree so the bears and mini bears wouldn't get to them. When all of a sudden my friend said he saw something move, I looked and didn't see a thing, but I didn't question him. We grabbed our flashlights, stoked the fire. Neither of us slept that night. I didn't see anything, or for that matter hear anything that night. Once the sun came up, we got our packs down and cleaned up our campsite. 
When we were about to leave, David went and checked the place. He thought he saw something. Sure enough, man, this dude found another set of tracks. I finished packing my shit. We got to the docks, and I looked at him and said, Never again. To this day, neither of us have gone camping. August 13th started off like any other day. My name is Kai Lu, a proud member of the Sioux Nation. Together with my friend and Klamath Chief George Tucker, we set off on an elk poaching trip a little over a mile southwest of Pelican Butte, Oregon. We were deep within the territory marked about five miles west of the upper end of Klamath Lake. The area was rich with wildlife. A quiet, secluded spot nestled on top of a ridge in heavy forest, our favorite hunting ground. As we stalked our prey through the thick underbrush, something unusual caught my eye. In the distance, I saw what initially appeared to be a large, dark figure. As I squinted, trying to make sense of what I was seeing, the figure started to take shape. My heart pounded in my chest as I realized what it was. A creature unlike anything I ever seen. Demon, I whispered to George, pointing towards the creature. It was the best word I could find to describe it. But it wasn't quite right. It was more like a woman gorilla, if such a thing existed. I knew it was female, as I could clearly see her bare breasts. She appeared to be lactating, suggesting she had a child somewhere, though it was not in sight. The creature was gigantic, easily towering over us at an estimated height of seven half feet. Her skin was a light brown in stark contrast to the dark brown fur that covered the rest of her body. We were about 50 yards away, but I could clearly see the outline of prominent canine teeth in her wide mouth. Suddenly, she let out a loud, chilling scream that echoed through the forest, freezing us in our tracks. George and I instinctively lifted our loaded rifles, sighting the creature through our scopes. It was a reflex born out of countless hours spent hunting. But even as we stared at the creature through our scopes, we knew we had no intention of pulling the triggers. This was no elk. This was something else. Something special. Shooting it felt wrong. Fear and awe battled within me as I stared at the creature. George and I exchanged a glance, and without a word, we knew what we had to do. With our hearts still pounding, we lowered our guns, turned, and made our rapid departure from the area. This was her forest. We were just visitors. We left with more questions than answers that day, but one thing was clear. We had just witnessed something extraordinary, something that would stay with us for the rest of our lives. I'll never forget the day when my team and I, all part of an elite Navy SEAL unit, were given the mission that would define our lives. We had been called in to dismantle a plot that could wipe Colorado off the map. A rogue scientist, once a brilliant mind in genetic engineering, had gone off the deep end. He had created monstrous creatures and was planning to detonate a nuclear device in Colorado, hoping to kickstart a war between his creations and innocent civilians. The scientist was tucked away in an impenetrable fortress within a top-secret government facility. The mission was clear. Infiltrate the fortress. Neutralize the nuclear threat. Eliminate the creatures and escape before our own military moved in to level the place. 
It was a no-return mission, but we were SEALs. Impossible was our specialty. Our approach was silent under the cover of darkness. With stealth and precision, we infiltrated the fortress. It was eerily quiet, a lull before the storm. As we ventured deeper into the facility, we came face to face with the first of the scientist's creations. It was a grotesque hybrid, part man, part beast, all killer. The fight was brutal. Our bullets ripped through them, but they were tough and relentless. We fought our way through using every bit of our training and instinct to survive. It was a nightmare come to life, but we had a mission to complete. Finally, we reached the control room where the scientist had holed up. He was a madman, his eyes filled with the insanity of his plot. He set off an alarm before we could apprehend him, sealing the fortress with us inside. The clock was ticking, both on the nuclear device and the military strike. We split up. Two of my men went to handle the nuclear device, while the rest of us dealt with the incoming wave of creatures. The scientist had saved his worst for last. These were bigger, stronger, faster. We were outnumbered and outmatched, but we held the line, refusing to let them through. Meanwhile, in the control room, our tech expert was frantically working on disarming the nuclear device. The countdown was relentlessly ticking away, adding to the tension that had already reached a fever pitch. With minutes to spare, he managed to disarm the device, a cheer ringing out over our comms. But our mission wasn't over yet. We still had to get out before our own military turned the place into a crater. We fought our way back, leaving a trail of dead creatures in our wake. The fortress was beginning to shake, the first bombs from our military strike hitting their mark. We sprinted towards the exit, the world around us crumbling. With seconds to spare, we dove out of the fortress, just as it imploded in a thunderous explosion. We lay there, battered and bruised, but alive. We had completed the mission, saved countless lives, and lived to tell the tale. Looking back, that mission changed us. We were no longer just soldiers. We were survivors, men who had looked into the heart of madness and come out the other side. We were SEALs, and we had done the impossible. I'm Jake, a seasoned park ranger near Paisley. You'd think my job was all about dealing with lost hikers and preserving the natural beauty of the park, but every now and then something extraordinary happens. It was a typical Tuesday afternoon when I got a frantic call from a group of teen boys who had been hiking in the park. They claimed to have seen three Bigfoot creatures traipsing across a meadow, a sight they said was both fascinating and terrifying. As a ranger, I've heard tales of Bigfoot sightings, but they were usually from over enthusiastic tourists or pranksters. These kids seemed genuinely scared, though. I swear, Jake, they were huge, taller than any man and covered in fur. The oldest of the group, Tommy, stammered out his account. His friends nodded along, their eyes wide with a mix of fear and excitement. We didn't have a camera, or we would have taken a picture. The boys led me to the meadow they claimed to have seen the creatures. It was a quiet, peaceful stretch of land, blanketed in wild flowers, bordered by thick woods. It was hard to imagine anything out of the ordinary happening here. However, as we ventured further into the meadow, I noticed something strange. There were large footprints imprinted in the soft soil, unlike any animal tracks I had seen before. 
They were massive with a unique pattern that couldn't be mistaken for a bear or, or any other creature native to these parts. The boys watched as I crouched down, tracing the outline of one of the footprints with a sense of awe and apprehension. Whether it was the imagination of the boys or the footprints that were undeniably strange, I couldn't dismiss their story outright. I assured the boys that we'd look into it, reminding them of the park's policy to respect all wildlife. The boys left, leaving me alone in the quiet meadow. Days turned into weeks, and the story of the Bigfoot sighting spread through the town. We never found more evidence, and I never saw anything unusual in my patrols. But the memory of that day, the boy's wide-eyed fear, and the strange footprints in the meadow have stuck with me. Maybe there are things in these woods that we don't fully understand. As a park ranger, it's my duty to protect this land and all the creatures that call it home, seen and unseen. And who knows, maybe one day I'll come face to face with the elusive Bigfoot myself. Last week, me and my significant other went on a hike at nighttime. It had to be around 12 a.m. We went on this wooded path, and though it was eerie, we figured we would be fine as we had each other. We barely saw anyone until we start going up this path and see an individual further ahead of us with a flashlight on. They turned it on, then off a couple of times. We continued walking up the hill, the person in front of us. Eventually, at some point, they went off path and we no longer saw them. We continued up to the spot we were headed and stopped there, sat and talked and made out for about an hour. Then, as we are making our way back to the secluded area's exit, we hear rustling in the bushes near us. We both looked over, expecting to see an animal, until we realized the rustling was too loud and the shape in the bushes was too big. It was a person. They rose their head up a bit, and we caught a glimpse of the flashlight as they started to emerge out of the bush. I quickly realized whatever was happening was very off. Out of fear, I screamed and took off running. My significant other followed a bit behind. I had first heard more than just her footsteps than just hers, meaning he attempted to follow or chase us potentially for a few seconds. We got away. I'm not sure when he got in the bush. If he was there before us, but that means he was sitting there for over an hour in silence by himself. I don't know what exactly that was or what he was doing, but I would hate to have found out what happened if we didn't run. When in Albuquerque, we stayed at the Air Force Base in what used to be base housing. They rented out for travelers, better than a hotel. Full house, kitchen, washer, etc., etc. Anyway, when we got to the house, the back door to the yard was open. No big deal, I thought they just left it open. That night, while trying to sleep, I kept a small light on in the kitchen, and I remember seeing the light dim like it was being blocked momentarily. I was half asleep, so I figured the dog was blocking it as he walked by. Then sometime in the early hours... I thought I heard young girls talking and giggling. Didn't think much of it. Thought maybe dreaming or outside. Then a little later, I hear my dog barking outside. I'm thinking WTF. Can't be my dog. No way out. So I called him, and he didn't come to the room, so I got up. He was outside the backyard, with the back door open. 
I'm a freak about locking the doors. My son even asked me if I locked up before bed. The lock has the knob lock as well as bolt lock. Now, I'm not saying I experienced something paranormal, but I can't explain it logically. And when I got to thinking, the dog could not have blocked the light. He isn't tall enough, and no human could be in the house without my dog attacking it or even outside the house with him at the very least barking. Kinda interesting. My friend and I went to a holiday party about a year back, and we had an early morning meeting for a volunteer event the following day. It was around 12, 1 a.m. when we decided to leave the party, but my friend realized that she forgot to buy drinks for the meeting in the morning. Not wanting her to have to wake up earlier than she had to, I offered to drive her to a nearby grocery store that happened to be open late. On the way there, we realized that it was super quiet and there weren't any other cars around, which is pretty typical if it would have been a weekday. But it was a Saturday, and usually Saturdays are busy until 3 a.m. in our city. Nonetheless, we drove on and reached the store. As we drove in, we saw a lady literally appear seemingly out of nowhere, dancing around in a very free-looking way. I don't really know how to describe her outfit other than almost pirate-like. There were pieces of cloth hanging off of her outfit. Her face was pale white with dark but neat eye makeup, and her hair looked like it might have been really big dreadlocks with more cloth or maybe even feathers tied into it. We quickly pulled into a far parking spot, well away from her, and practically sprinted into the store. And when we looked back, she was gone. Not sure if this matters, but I figured I would include the ambiance of the store as well in case this is a cross-dimensional experience. The lights were dim with some flickering, and when we first walked in, there was a couple about middle-aged, and I think the woman was pregnant, if I remember correctly, whispering to, seemingly, the only employee. When they spotted us, they stopped talking and watched us walk down the juice aisle. Needless to say, my friend said she changed her mind and wanted to leave. When we first stepped out, we both happened to look to our left and saw the woman from earlier standing still at the opposite end of the parking lot. We immediately booked it to my car, got in, and locked the doors. But when I tried to start it, it wouldn't. I had just bought the car a couple of weeks prior from a certified dealership, and the car never had, and still never had and still never has to this day given me issues. Luckily, after a few turns of the key, my car started and we left. In my rearview mirror, the entity danced toward my car again, but it was almost as though she was sprinting because she was moving so quickly toward us. Once we made it back over the hill towards our homes, it was as though every single car that should been on the other side of the hill appeared and the town was as busy as usual. I still have no idea who, what we saw, but I know very well that there was no way that what we experienced was natural in this world. If anyone has opinions on what creature or entity we saw that night, please share. As much as I'm still scared of that incident, I am anxious to know what we experienced. I forgot to mention that this happened in Southern California in a city near Los Angeles. Later, I was at a pet store nearby where I saw the dancing woman, and I saw her in the parking lot again. This time, it was daylight. I should have taken a photo, but I didn't feel right about it. 
The woman looked normal, or at least as normal as a woman dressed as a pirate could look. As fun or scary as the story from that night a couple of years ago is, I think that the woman I saw was just that. A woman who seemed out of place due to her attire, movements, and behavior. The story is still weird and gives me chills, especially since the people inside the grocery store were acting so strange. But I think it's safe to say that she was not an entity after all. I can't really explain it. I just knew it wasn't a person. The way the body of it moved was very strange. It wasn't just dancing. It was twisting and, I don't want to say floating, but I think that would be the best way to describe it. It just wasn't a natural way of moving. My friend and I have been trying to piece the information together because we can only describe what we as individuals experienced. I've dealt with a handful of strange people, especially when getting closer to L.A., but this was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I just felt so much dread like I never had before. Maybe this isn't the right sub to post this experience in, but I haven't the slightest clue what to even categorize this experience as. I want to report a cryptid that was seen in the vicinity of Maine on October 5th, 2010. This is around 9.35 p.m. by myself and one other person. The creature was about eight and a half feet tall or more, white or light in color, no skin, no hair. It looked almost skeletal or as I would call mummified. It looked very large standing up straight. It was walking upright when we first saw it. We only caught sight of it through our headlights when we were driving on a tooling road right where it crossed onto another smaller road. It had been walking along the edge of the woods, disappearing into them after we saw it. Before we could really get out and get a good look at it, we did not see its face or hands at this point since it moved so quickly. We turned off our headlights and stopped near where we lost sight of it. We could not see anything in front of us with our high beams on. Anyway, it surprised me when I'm driving at night with my high beams on. Nothing is too bright for me to see. Even deer standing in the middle of the road or other cars coming from behind. I told my friend that there was something big in front of us to slow down and watch for it. After we stopped, turned off our headlights, we could see that there was something in the road about a hundred feet away from us, but could not tell what it was due to the snow on the ground, making everything appear darker than usual. It's really hard to explain. We sat there looking at it when my friend backed up slowly. It was still standing there when he had to put enough distance between us so it could not see us anymore. As I mentioned, this thing looked like a large mummified skeleton. It was easily the creepiest, most closest thing tonight of the living dead you can ever imagine, but it looked far more animalistic than just some huge human skeleton walking around. Either way, the whole incident took less than a couple of minutes until it passed. The other interviews included in this report have been since whited out and, unfortunately, are unable to be included in this database. Thank you for your understanding. A number of years ago, he lived in a very large old house in the middle of nowhere, central Illinois, about 30 miles from any real town or city. He didn't think much of it when he heard a car turn off and someone knock on the door. He figured his roommate had locked himself out. 
Thought it would be funny to let him figure it out. Only his roommate was still inside. The knocking got more desperate until my uncle fell asleep. For those wondering how, he was both a boozer, snored loudly, and was on sleep medications at the time. When drunk, the man could have slept through a nuclear explosion. His buddy found the car the next morning, Dr. Morning. My uncle came outside as the police were questioning his buddy. They tried to find the owner. They did six months later, decomposed in a field, evidently murdered. The murderer still has not been found. He is still rather bothered by whether he could have saved his life. So I used to live in this house. It was newish. It wasn't run down, but it obviously wasn't the newest modern home. Either it was normal, but for some reason I hated being alone in it and had this feeling like something was extremely off about it or something was there that shouldn't be there with me. I lived there with my mom, her boyfriend, and my brother, and I was 11 at the time. One time I could swear that someone had broken in. It didn't sound like it. It's just that I saw flashes outside of my room and am only 47% sure it was the reflection of the sun. This was in Finland, Vantai. I'm okay in the location that's specific because I don't live anywhere near there. It could be the fact I wasn't the most sane 11-year-old. Think imagining being an arsonist and killing my bullies and planning it, so it could have been that. But Ike, what I saw was real, and it scared me shitless. It could be that I'm dumb, and I'm not fully sure if it's a cryptid, but I'm asking just in case there's anything that actually does that. My daughter, who was 11 years old at the time, was visiting my parents for the weekend during the summer. They own 55 acres in the woods in northern Michigan. Most of the property near the home is cleared, roughly about seven acres. The rest has sporadic trees here and there until you get to the back eight acres. Before it gets dark, they like to sit out on their screened and porch and watch the deer come out to eat, which was done this night. The plan was to wait till the sun went down so she could practice riding her CT200 Coleman bike. It is a small bike that only went 20 miles per hour, and it had a decent headlight on it, so it was good for the cleared trails on the property. While her and my dad were sitting on the porch just before sunset, my daughter was watching the open field for deer, but instead she seen something that looked like a white dog moving very slowly. It was roughly 200 yards away from them, and she said, Grandpa, what is that? He looked and he looked very confused. My dad is a man who has grown up in the woods. He knows every animal and everything possible about where they live. He told her it looked like it could have been a white coyote. It had a similar size, but it didn't look like any coyote he had seen. The body of the creature was very thin, almost bone skinny, and didn't have a tail. He went and quickly grabbed the binoculars from inside the house. He looked and he said, it looks really deformed, like a deformed pit bull. It's facing away, so I can't really see its face. It left view, and they continued sitting there, waiting for dark. When the sun set, my dad made sure to tell her not to go fast, because riding at night was something new. He knew that she knew the lay of the land well, but was worried since it was her first time doing laps night riding. When he was done with his safety brief, she took off. 
As she was riding her way around the property, she had a weird feeling of being watched. But she pushed those thoughts to the side because she assumed it was nerves on top of it being dark in the woods. As she rounded the corner to the straightaway with her light shining down the path, the light from her bike reflected back two eyes. She slowed her bike down, thinking it was a coyote or a deer. As she came slowly closer, she realized it was white. She was frozen in a panic when she realized that this was the creature she and my dad seen in the field. Only this time, she was just feet away. The creature was facing her, and she was able to clearly see its head this time. It was crouching with its long, skinny arms hanging down against its side. It had the head of a human, a human dying of malnutrition. It had a huge chest, and its rib cage was very prominent. What she thought was white fur was skin. It had white skin with gray undertones. It looked like death. Its eyes were half the size of its head and completely reflected the light from her bike. She was still riding towards it, unable to react due to being frozen, in fear. The creature's mouth and became clear. It was really big and unnatural. As she got closer, she started to realize that this creature was very tall. Tall like my dad, who is six feet three. She said the long skinny arms that hung down to its sides had human-like hands. She started to feel sick and woozy. Then she snapped out of it, turned the bike around, and headed back to the house as fast as the bike went. My sister and I were out off, roading around 1 a.m. this one night in my old jeep. We ended up coming across this large water retention basin and decided to explore it for a bit. While we were cruising around, we started talking about skinwalkers and whether they're real or not. The conversation had spooked us both a bit as it was pitch blackout, not a light in sight other than my light bars. We ended up changing the topic and kept on cruising. Not even 20 minutes later, we both got this very uneasy feeling of being watched, and shortly after, my dash light started flickering slightly, something that they never do and haven't done since. Already spooked from the previous conversation, this creeped us out even more, and we decided it was time to call it a night. As we were about to leave the retention basin, my Jeep engine died trying to climb the slight hill out, which was also not normal for my Jeep. It struggled to start, but eventually started and was barely running. At that point, we were terrified, and I gunned it out of there while my Jeep continued to run like it had a bullet shot through the engine. We definitely said our prayers as neither one of us was going to get out and take a look at that point. Once we got back to the main road, we made it to a gas station close by, and I stopped to investigate. Upon investigation, I found a vacuum line had come disconnected. A vacuum line that should not have come off, as it is a securely connected vacuum line. I reattached the line, and my Jeep ran perfectly and has not come off years later. I've had, without a doubt, real paranormal experiences in the past, and this definitely felt the same. Was it just an unfortunate series of events, or was there something out there with us that night? I'll never know, and I definitely don't want to go back and find out for myself.